you are listening to edtech.fm. My name is Autumn Keynes, and I'm here with Corey Tressler, Nicole Kraft, and Byron Rausch. This is the second part, second wave of our, our exploration of social media. Let's start off by talking about student services. So we want to first start out talking about how you can use social media in different contexts with students. So I wanted to bring up an example that uh, we use at the College of Social Work here. We actually have a Facebook page for new and incoming students. So as they are admitted, as they accept, we send out invites to their uh, email so they can join this page. It's restricted. And it's basically there so they can ask uh, Q&A and different representatives from the program. So, you know, the old model would be that they call the office or whatever. But we have a bunch of people in there that can hop in and answer questions, program director, office staff, people in our field office, um, because a lot of questions are about the field placements and things like that that students will have. But they can go in there. Students... At first, you're kind of timid, but questions will get asked. Students, you know, start to answer other students' questions, which is kind of fun because it means it's not an email that goes to our office. We've been doing it for a couple of years, and I think it's been really successful in help, you know, creating a community uh, where people are comfortable asking questions instead of just complaining that they don't know answers, mm -hmm. if that makes sense to people. So, <laughs> you know, that's often one of the questions you hear, especially from new students. It's really confusing, especially if you've been out of school for a while. Um, what do I need to know? What forms do I need to mm -hmm. turn out? And, you know, this large Midwestern U research university is not always good at communicating all of the details. So it can be really kind of isolating. But with the Facebook thing, people, I think, are able to participate at a level that's comfortable to them. Um, they can ask questions, answer one another's questions, really start to get to know one another, know what other people are planning to do in the program and things like that from the outset. We don't have a cohort model or anything like that, so... You know, maybe they don't always have classes with these same people, but it's just a little thing that we do to start building kind of a greater community. I like what you had to say about the students answering each other's questions. I think that even though we have professionals inside the office sometimes who can address different questions, sometimes it's it's different if you, if you can really get that student perspective. Yeah. And no matter how many times we send an email that says, read the handbook, <laughs> right. you know, nobody's going to read the handbook, let's be honest. So just giving somebody kind of a low stakes, easy to use, kind of polite way to ask these questions, answer people, things like that, really understand why they should be reading the handbook uh, is, is useful. The second topic that we had to explore uh, concerning concerning social media in, in terms of higher ed is really th looking at higher ed as a field and, and us as educational technology professionals. I know that I've had a lot of great experience using um, social media as a professional development tool, connecting with other professionals. Um, I've used Twitter and Facebook in terms of both of these things, but I wanted to throw that out to you guys. Maybe you, Corey, specifically could speak to that a little bit. Sure. I see it as a as an amazing tool for educators and really staff and administrators around education to hear from one another and really get best practices, professional development opportunities, either via an online webinar or, of course, when you're at conferences. Yeah. So the big one that, that I first got exposed to really in the social media around professional development was Twitter. I mean, it was John Woodring, and I follow him on Twitter if you want to search him. It was a long time ago. It was right when Twitter first started, and it was a professional development event, a session he held in the school district I was working at. And I remember thinking, oh, I'll never use this. Like, I don't see any uses of this mm. in education and why, you know, it's kind of neat and whatever. But uh, how is this going to work? So a few characters and whatever. Who's going to follow me and 
what's it going to matter? And then I went to the ISTE conference and then I got it. I totally, totally, completely got it because ISTE is a conference that's held every summer. It's primarily a K-12 conference around educational technology. About 30 to 50,000 people attend. So it's one of these massive education conferences where you can get lost super easy, especially the first time you go. Uh, And what Twitter allowed through hashtags and really the conference really tweeting very well was a way to create a sense of community when you're at these large conferences and to see what's going on. Like, what's Mm -hmm. the hot topics? And we've all been to those conferences where, unfortunately, you're in a session that you may have had an amazing (laughs) title and super interesting. And you think it's going to be great. This is, you know, I could take this back and start using this right away. And you get in there and it's not what you thought it was. Well, Twitter may be a little rude, but allows you to actually see what's happening in the other conference rooms while you're in that one that you're not super excited about. That also allows, if you weren't able to go to ISTE or you're not able to go to Educause or able to go to any major conference Mm -hmm. and they have a hashtag, you can follow along from home. So you can get a lot of the bullet points, presentation links, all that stuff you can get there for free right through your social media account on Twitter, which I think is super powerful. Uh, So that's really really when I started Drink the Kool-Aid when I saw that, when it made (laughs) a, a, a community like that or this universe like that at this major conference shrink and make it really accessible and usable for me was huge. And then almost simultaneously is when you start to see like who are the major sort of tweeters in ed tech, um, either in K-12 or higher ed, like who who is putting really good stuff out there. So you end up following these really incredible people leading to more resources for you. And that's really how I see like an individual educator, the power is that, you know, by following you know, hashtag ed tech or hashtag ed chat, you are going to just see a wide range of, of what's out there. There's this really incredible dude, uh, shout out to Cybrary Man. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. He also has a website where he's cataloged all of the hashtags for education. And there's hundreds of them. So regardless of what you teach, higher ed or not, you can find, a, you know, the subject matter and the hashtag for you. And that leads to, of course, again, who you, who you really want to follow. So that was really powerful for me. The other thing I've seen, the other sort of major social media area that I, I've seen really interesting things in professional development has been Pinterest. Um, and again, maybe more of a K-12 focus, but there's a lot of sharing of like project ideas, mm-hmm. uh, classroom design ideas, things like that, that K-12 teachers have used and used really, really well because you can share a lesson plan. You can share really anything that you're doing with your students right there on Pinterest. So there's a lot of those. The other one that's really interesting to me too it's not, I guess it's not really social media, but we're periscoping right now. So maybe this is a new, new element of this was Skype. And, I, and mm. Skype's not really a social media, but a lot of times if you're connecting with another classroom in another part of the world or another part of the country or mm. wherever, you're probably using Twitter or Facebook or Pinterest to connect with them initially. And then you're using something like Skype or Fa- uh, FaceTime or whatever, Google Hangout. Google Hangout to bring them into your classroom. And what will be interesting is like what we're doing right now with Periscope, is that another media to bring an expert or to bring the world into your classroom if you could leverage that in a really creative way. Um, And again, it was those connections made on social media that allowed for someone in Africa to go into a a classroom in Florida or uh, whatever the case may be. And that can be a really powerful, authentic learning experience for, for kids of any age and really adults too. 
that have so, an expert in there from anywhere in the world. Well, that's what I was going to say about social media in terms of professional development is that's just such a great icebreaker. Yeah. You know, you go to one of these big conferences and it's kind of overwhelming. There's, so we were talking about big conferences and just being overwhelmed because there's 30,000 people at one of these conferences. And how do you connect? How do you find the people that are interested in the same stuff that you're interested in? Well, yeah, I mean, you go to the conference session that you're interested in. Maybe you'll run into other people. But being able to use that as an icebreaker in any kind of form um, to introduce you to other people uh, and then bring them in, especially if it's at a distance, if you're not at a conference or something like that, using a real-time tool like um, Skype or, or Google Hangout or whatever. And it doesn't matter who you are. You can be right. anywhere. You right. can be in the middle of nowhere, Alaska, where you have a one-room schoolhouse or whatever the case may mm. be in a really small area sure. or in Africa or in anywhere in the world and it really opens it up. You can connect with anybody. You can get resources from everywhere. That's really amazingly powerful and I think super cool. Absolutely. And another thing that I've seen at conferences uh, is, you know, some people will kind of curate some of those tweets into like a Storify, mm, yeah. um, which yeah. is nice. Um, the conference I was at last week, actually, uh, somebody did that. And it's just really nice to, it's a good way to put everything in there and also add a little bit of context. You can bring in the different social medias so you can you know bring in twitter and different individuals and kind of structure it in a way that makes a lot of sense and provides a more cohesive story um that's been really useful yeah. i think speaking of uh professional development and social media what about linkedin well, we've actually had a lot of success using linkedin in class um it's been a great uh, it's been a great tool for us because um, as a journalism professor, we need to reach out to a lot of people who are out in the world who have connectivity to something uh, that we may be writing about or, um, you know, just that kind of access to people that you may not even know exist based on uh, LinkedIn groups and the mm -hmm. search terms that you can use. Sure. Um, but we're using it even as a more general approach to um, how you can build an online portfolio for yourself and mm. build an online resume for yourself. Um, it always amazes me still when students come to me, you know, super focused on a paper resume and, you know, mm -hmm. how, how do I format this? What's my font? And, and I'm like, well, the first thing I would do is uh, put it down and I would get onto LinkedIn and you really start to build out the person that you'd like other people to see you as being. One Key benefit uh, is that when you create a LinkedIn profile with your name, it creates your name in a URL, which is going to increase your search engine optimization sure. on Google. So when people Google you, as they naturally will, you're going to get some um, acknowledgement there. You also get to really start to build that brand. So the same picture that we have them use on Twitter um, or on any of the other social media that we're connecting them with, we have them put that on LinkedIn. It's a more of a professional picture. Um, we have them start to build out the phrasing that they're going to want to incorporate into um, the future careers that they may want to have. So it's been something that we've um, really put a lot of energy into teaching them how to use it well and um, to recognize that the things that you put out there are incredibly professional in nature and can connect you. You're not going to get people to link to you unless you have something to offer them. So to really be able to show off on that. Because it can go the other way too, right? God, it sure can. <laughs> And this will kind of tie us back in. Are there pitfalls? There are pitfalls, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes our the students social don't media? know no. these, right? And they're used to using social media in a different way. Um, so maybe you could continue talking just a little bit more about that because you, you do work with so many students. One of the things that we uh, really have to be conscious of, all of us who use social media, 
are the ways in which it can be used for evil and not mm. good. Um, and it's it certainly social media seems to be facilitating that in a lot of ways with the development of things like Yik Yak, which uh, certainly seem to uh, liberate people uh, and, and perhaps their more negative side. Uh, we've had a lot of, uh, of time spent recently on John Ronson's uh, new book looking at public shaming of people through mm. what they do on social media and how we can publicly shame them on social media. So that feeling is, is so ingrained in us, it seems, to see someone next to you doing something uh, perhaps not so smart or your professor does something that you deem to be stupid and so you feel mm -hmm. the first thing you might want to do is tweet that out or take an Instagram picture of someone who's dressed in a way that you don't agree with or to put something on Yik Yak, of course, which is anonymous. And, um, you know, those things don't go away either. So as much as the positive reflect on you, so does the negative. And just because it's anonymous doesn't mean that we now lose all um, inhibition and we, we can suddenly start posting things randomly. So, um, you know, we, I'm, I'm very conscious uh, of making sure that they see bad examples and making sure that I let them know when I see bad examples of my students so that, um, you know, it, we're sort of in this relationship together inside and outside the classroom because it's just as important that they realize that although they're, in, they're inside tweets or they're inside Instagram pictures or inside Pinterest um, posts may look wonderful when they're outside of the class, if they don't look wonderful still, now we're going to start having some problems. Right. Yeah, that's the thing about bringing social media into the classroom that I just have so much respect for is that then we're taking, it's almost like we're taking it to the next level. A lot of times we integrate technology into the classroom, um, you know, and like um, the, the you know, of course, we have our learning objectives for the class and those kind of things. But but it's always nice because we're, we can, we can say that we're, 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 we're serving a purpose of digi digital literacy. But it seems like when we bring social media into it, we're really serving a purpose of digital citizenry. It's kind of like we're taking it to That's the next level point. in that. And I, I just have so much respect for that. I really enjoy that a lot. I think one of the hard parts is it doesn't necessarily fit into the curriculum in a course often, but it's what we do in higher education. Mm. We need to teach people to, you know, be good citizens or digital citizens or whatever. Um, so it is important to kind of find good people to, to do that and find ways to integrate that in. You know, it may not necessarily be a social work learning objective, but, right. you know, we need to find a way to do that, too, um, even when it doesn't fit. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for having this conversation with me. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you for listening. You are listening to edtech.fm. And you can find us on Twitter at edtech underscore fm. And you can subscribe on iTunes. Please leave a review if it's positive. Have a great week.